someone in Canada, you might know this story, I don't know, who um, lobbied for years to get smoking bans in place. And I was just, again, so naive. I'm like, but doesn't everyone just at some point go, oh, yeah, smoking's bad. Let's, let's burn that. And he's like, no, it takes private lobbying and money behind the scenes to fund studies and, you know, marketing messages and to lobby Congress and to do all these things for like 10, 20 years before anything happens. Welcome back to the Joy Color Impact in Dogs podcast. Great to see you. We've got a double header this week. We've got part two of the Visionaries interview with Denise Duffield Thomas. And I don't have a lot to say about this because you will have hopefully listened to part one, which I think was full of so many super interesting conversations and they just keep getting better in part two. And we're going to dive into what does life look like after 45 for Denise and how to build a sustainable lifestyle without having to work so hard and what does philanthropy look like and how is she changing her mindset, her behaviors and her reality to fit the version of herself that she's becoming now. And it's fascinating and so fun. So enjoy. It's so interesting because I learned a few years ago and I started doing, this was one of my like keynote speeches was, and I'm curious, I assume you agree given what you've just said, but one of my big takeaways from almost 20 years of entrepreneurship was despite what you think and despite what everyone tells you, it's not what you create in entrepreneurship, but it's what you let go of and are capable of letting go of that will truly define you, your success, your ability to keep growing. And it is the hardest shit. Like the letting go bit is usually the hardest. Um, I certainly see that a lot in branding when people are like, but my husband designed that logo 14 years ago. It's like, but it's shit. <laughs> so I totally get that. And I think it sounds like you're going through this space right now where you're letting go of dreams that sort of, it's cheesy, you know, that what got you here won't get you there kind of thing that you're like in the process of becoming the next version of you. and you need new dreams. Yeah, absolutely. And I've really been pondering on that recently, you know, because I remember at 29, I set a goal to be a millionaire by 35 and I did it and it was awesome. And I was like, cool, that's great. And then I realized in the last couple of years, I was like, retire by 45 and retire, you know, I'm not going to, you're never going to stop working. (laughs) No, that's not the thing. But the truth is I still have had to do launches, you know, because I had these dreams that I wanted to fund. So it wasn't coming from a place of like, oh, I have to do it because I have to feed my family. It was, you know what? I've seen this amazing property that I want. So I'm going to launch. Or I've seen this, you know, beach house dream that I want. So I'm going to, you know, do this business stuff. Otherwise I probably wouldn't have done it for the growth sake. I don't care about that for the growth sake. (laughs) But I, I I chose to fund these big dreams. And so the last couple of years, I was like, you know what? I really like to not have to do that. And I was trying to really, I was like, well, I'll just launch more. I'll just do more, more things. And so the fact that it can come from not only my business, I mean, because my business bought this house, right? 
to be able to go, oh, wow, like we've built this dream and it served multiple purposes. It pulled me forward as an entrepreneur, as a businesswoman. And also it's going to fund my retire by 45 because it's I'm 44 this year. It's done. I'm like, sweet. But then I'm like, what's the second part of my life, right? What's the second part? And um, philanthropy is a massive part of that. Investing, learning how to invest my money in smart ways. And, you know, we spent that time together at the farm and listening to our friend Natalie McNeil talk about her philosophy in investing where she's like, if I'm buying something, I better own a piece of that company. And I was like, I never thought about that before. Never thought about that. So she opened that and even a few things that she'd said she goes I don't I don't fly business class because I look at that money and I think well that's going to be that compound interest (laughs) I know and it really made me think I think honestly having Natalie over too it it did plant a little seed in my mind to go oh yeah that is cool because I've always lived in this beautiful manifesting space of there's always more money there's always more opportunities and there is but also you don't have to take every opportunity that comes up right you can choose and I'm like oh I choose to be able to choose more and um, I know I'm going to continue my business for you know a lot longer but I'm also like but what else is important to me as well in that and I know I needed to make space for that next that next thing that's so brave making that space before you know what that next thing is that is well I do kind of know but it's also you know just from a place of massive privilege you know and that's one of the things I had to work through with my energy people last week is to go I'm resisting this because I don't want to be free because I'll feel massive fucking guilt around it I had to I have to work through that privilege problem to have mm-hmm. and that's the guilt for me is going wow you know I've I, and I've had to do this at every stage of my business to go um you know my first year when I earned like 60,000 I was like who am I to do this when I this is so much fun and then I got stuck at 120 I was like who am I to earn more than my uncle mm-hmm. and it's like 250 I was like who am I this is not cool and so I've had to work through that all the time and so this is just another layer of the exact same thing of no one's gonna like me people are gonna think I'm up myself it's not relatable it's really privileged how fucking dare you you know all the things I do know it is and I think as we as we white people become more and more aware of our privilege and what that looks like and what that means and how to obviously become aware that we have it and then also look at, you know, impact. I think as, you know, you've built an incredible business that I, you know, I get in my Facebook feed every day, these people who have been in your world who have absolutely transformed their life. You know, they, they are buying houses, they're transforming their kids' lives. They are doing incredible things as a result of learning and implementing what you've taught them, which is what an incredible impact, like what an amazing gift that you've given the world. But I'm confident that is not it for you. Like, what are you thinking about? What are you playing with as you think about legacy? As you think about impact, you know, you mentioned Natalie, Um, obviously Natalie is someone incredibly 
um, focused on impact and brought you know women like us together to talk about that and certainly to look at economic empowerment through entrepreneurship, especially for other women. But you talked about philanthropy, like where are the areas that you're feeling most called to give, support, serve when it comes to legacy and impact? Yeah, well, I, I hired a philanthropy coach a couple of years ago because I did not I, know that was a thing. Of course it is. Yeah, it's a thing because I, I didn't know that answer myself. And I think I also was like, he just asked me some really interesting questions. And the first thing he asked me was, do you want to help people who have fallen off a cliff or do you want to prevent them from falling off a cliff? Mm. And I went, both? <laughs> and he was like, cool, that's totally fine. You just have to be intentional about it. And I hadn't been because I didn't understand, I didn't get that. And so um, he started talking to me about famous philanthropists, really, I guess. And he, and I don't remember all the details, but he was saying there was a family, it was one of the like Rothschilds, like one of those big ass families. And he said they put a million dollars into a trust to fight AIDS and to fund AIDS research in like the 90s. And he said, and that still exists today because it's a self-funded gift. And I was like, I never thought about that before because it is that kind of, you know, give a, give a man a fish analogy. And sometimes someone just needs to eat, right? You just need yeah. to feed somebody. But I was like, oh, I want to do both. I want to be able to say... I helped that and it lives on. And so um, what we started from that, we started our own sub foundation. And so what a sub foundation is, it just means you don't have to do all the paperwork to have your own foundation. It's it's like a hedge fund for charities. Yeah. We gotcha. can never take that money out. It doesn't belong to us at all anymore. But as we put it in, they reinvest it and then we can make um, charitable donations. Yeah, from that, right? Um, and so they'll come to us and say, you know, these people are looking for five grand for this or 10 grand to do this. Would you like to pay it out of the trust? And I mean, the, the market on it, it was down like 14% last year, but it's one of those things where you have to think long-term and that's why we do, we do both. So we put a certain amount of money every month into that charitable trust because we want to get it to a point where it's self-funded mm -hmm. and then you can our kids can be responsible for donating that they'll never own it they'll never be able to take it back but they'll be able to say where are we paying this out this year and it will always be there so that's really important and I think the magic number is you kind of get it to a million at least and then it becomes mm -hmm. a bit more self-funded um, which it's not at the moment obviously I think it's I don't know six figures or something but um, and then the other part of it is to um, you know to fund whatever is important and so we have some very specific areas because again I just feel responsible for the whole fucking world I'm like oh, <laughs> everything so he told me about this story about um someone in Canada you might know this story I don't know who um lobbied for years to get smoking bans in place and I was just again so naive I'm like but doesn't everyone just at some point go oh yeah smoking's bad let's let's burn that and he's like no it takes private lobbying and money behind the scenes to fund studies and you know marketing messages and to lobby congress and to do all these things for like 10 20 years before anything happens and I just I was so inspired by that and I thought my god what a legacy and I, I should know that guy's name right but I was like what a freaking legacy to go I am going to fund 
the smart people who know how to get that shit done mm-hmm. and I'm going to fund it for decades and I might not even see that in my lifetime and I just thought so that's the question that's on my mind at the moment because the things that we pay out for in our charity are education for for girls domestic violence charities that they're really focused on you know helping people long term get out of those situations but legal advocacy so legal advocacy for the environment for laws to be changed around things because and I think that really helps too with my over responsibility because otherwise I'll go how am I going to change a law Mm. and I'm not like someone who again with ADHD I can't really follow through on a lot of things sometimes but I'm like, I can fund really smart people. It's that gatekeeper thing as well, isn't it? Where you just want to be like, fuck the lady with the clipboard telling me no. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And I'm like, there are people who are long-term thinkers. There are people who have the patience to do it. You know, and people have often said to me, you know, do you think you'll ever go into politics? And I'm like, I don't have the temperament I could, I could run a great campaign. I could convince people to vote for me. I know this about myself, but don't ever vote for me because I would get so bored. I would get so bored. And I would not be able to sit through the the long-term advocacy that you need and consensus building that you need. So I'm like, I want to be a queen maker behind the scenes, right? I'm totally happy to be able to go, who is going to make those changes? in 30 years time and how can I fund that yeah and again it's similar to that conversation we had with Natalie of her going if I'm going to buy from Starbucks every day I better own a piece of Starbucks because I'm putting that in there and I'm starting to feel the same way about like okay what is going to be some of those things because I could I knowing myself there's some problems that are always going to be around and it's just like how freaking unsatisfying for me sounds very selfish but I'm like what what is going to make that difference um and so I know that that's a massive part of you know post 45 for me is what is the rest of my life going to look like and how can it be sustainable because I don't want to be someone who you know just goes oh I'm just going to sell all my possessions and run this non-profit you know and it doesn't make any I mean it makes change but it makes little change I'm like, no, it has to be. Mm, I think you and I as well have been in the business of proving that you don't have to either be a good person or be wealthy. Like you can have both, right? It's not an either or. Absolutely. And I love the people who are on the ground doing things because I just think, oh my God, you know, the the work that people do. There's a little charity um, in my town. It's called Hope in a Suitcase. And they do... Um, they give suitcases to kids in foster care mm. who have suitcases. So they don't have to put all their stuff in a bag. I know. And I just think, wow. bloody hell, like, thank God there are people in the world like that, you know, who who really care about those those things. And I just, um, yeah, I just think, how how can we make the world a better place? It really does. It does haunt me, I guess. But I just know that that's that next part. And I want to do it in a sustainable way so it doesn't, create you know chaos for my family because stability is very important for me financial stability is very important but also so it actually like really makes a difference long term and I I really think that for me is not only the way I grew up but I grew up in the 90s watching Oprah and Oprah talks about like how are you going to use your life and I was very inspired by like the angel network 
as a kid. And, you know, I got to meet Oprah when she came to Australia. And I just think that's like, for me, that's my role model. And she actually said something at that because I went to a VIP event and, you know, people like, oh, I want to start a charity. And she goes, let me tell you something. Do not go in on the ground. She's like, I was, it was the dumbest decision for me to think that I knew how to do that. Hire, find the people who were already doing it and fund them. She was very adamant about it. And she was just saying to these people, like, you know, when people are like, oh, I want to do this challenge. She's like, no. Yeah, no, that's going to be a waste of 15 years. <laughs> yeah, she's like, there are already people doing that. Find this is people. what I love about Virgin Unite as well, that I think is just so clever is just, yeah, find the brilliant people and support them. Like, give them what they need to do their job. Yeah. Exactly. And when I, I we didn't go to NECA together, but the, the, the time I went to NECA, I remember they had like these um, water filtration systems in their rooms. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. And, and they were like, yeah, well, we're just putting some money into this company to see if it works before we you know, fund it even more. And I was like, oh, I think way too small. And so I, <laughs> I just think that's the next part for me. I have this vision too. I keep on thinking, I'd love to bring my mom to NECA um, and Mark and the kids. But then the, the rational part of me now is like, <laughs> that would not be fun. That would not be fun. All of those people, and that would drive me crazy. But I had this vision of my mom playing pool with Richard Branson because she's a total pool shark. And I, when I went to Neckar, I didn't even say hi to Richard because I was too shy. I didn't even say hi to him. I didn't. And he's so nice as well. <laughs> I'm sure his eyes never even landed on me one time because I was too shy because everyone was trying to like you know position him a little bit and I was like oh no I can't do that and so I'm like oh, but also that's about like not well. wanting to be that type of person isn't it like you don't want to be this like weirdo I didn't want to be the weirdo but I also think there's something there too about like it's okay to have experiences for yourself and it's okay to like to do that because I know when when people do that to me and I mean like I'm I was gonna say you must get fangirled all the time I, I do and I don't feel bad about it. like I just think I can be that person for you, but that's fine. I know it's meaningful. Like, you know, you might not know who I am, you know, the the real Denise, Nisi, my family call me, but I'm like, but I can be that person for you. So I know it's not, it wouldn't have been bad for him to go, oh, another fangirl. <laughs> I think he just would have been classy with it, right? But but I'm like, for me, I'm always like, oh, I can't be that for someone else. Um, yeah. I totally get it. Yeah. All right. One more question before I let you go. No, I want to talk all day. This is so great. You <laughs> asked the best questions. All right. Well, and I'm glad you just lifted up your bright blue cup because I I love getting into color. Obviously, I'm a color consultant and I geek out massively on color psychology. And I know you love color too. But do you have a signature color, Denise? Tell us about it. Do I? Um. So growing up, whenever we moved. My mom would just like get a tin of paint and a ladder and just paint my room bright blue every time. So my room would always be like this color. Really? Yeah, not a super restful blue for a kid for sure, especially with ADHD. But she would just do it. She would just like, she wouldn't care. She'd just paint it. And, but I actually wasn't, I didn't wear a lot of blue until probably my 30s. And I'll have to show you this picture. I'm wearing like a pink singlet 
a yellow cardigan and like a brown skirt. Nice. And yeah, it's so weird because now I just wear blue and white, but um, I just love the color blue so much and everything in my house is really blue. But also I wear a lot of white these days too. Like, so denim is a, like, always denim for me it's always going to be a brand staple and I actually said to my when we did my last brand thing I said denim is a brand color for me where it's like a brand texture brand texture yeah yeah so everything in my house is blue um yeah and I just I love it It just makes me feel really happy but also I think too from a control point of view it's nice not having to think about stuff I just go oh I'll just get the blue one or the white one and I, same with my wardrobe, everything matches. Mm-hmm. That is so, such a cool thing as well. Like getting, helping people find their personality type and then find their color palette. I was just shopping today and I remember shopping before I knew what my colors were. And it was like, I have to try everything on in the store, every fit, every color, every pattern. Cause you never know. And now it's like, I walked in and my husband was with me, which I never thought would ever happen. He would go shopping with me. And literally I walked this whole shop in like probably 15 minutes and picked out like six things that were like the right color. And I would probably never have tried some of these styles, but they were the right color and I could buy them now because you can't always buy them. I have, I'm like an autumn and um, tried them on. They were all perfect. I bought them all. And the whole thing happened inside of like 20 minutes. And my husband was like, impressed. (laughs) And I was like, this is shopping now. I love it because not only am I so discerning when I shop, which means not buying all that extra shit I'll never wear and feel guilty about not returning in time and et cetera. But also I came home and put it in my rainbow organized closet and was like, yep, I needed that orange piece. Thank you very much. And there's like such confidence that comes from like being able to curate a wardrobe like that, especially for me who I like never, ever thought that is something I'd be able to do. So do you get do you get joy and pride out of like having this go-to system for getting dressed, doing your brand shoots, all of that? Well, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, even um, just not having to think about um, what to wear, you know, I I still probably could cull most of my wardrobe, but I wear a lot of pink at the farm, you know, and I do have a completely different farm. I was going to ask you about this. Okay. So you have this signature color at home at the beach house. Yeah. What is your signature palette at the farm? it's just floral like groundbreaking right but it um and it's really fun because I love um like nana sweaters and things like that and they did us the magazine that's coming out next month they did like a style issue for you know and it's like what designers do you like and I was like I thrift everything you know (laughs) um and I had to do all the style notes straight away after the shoot because I was like I'll never remember where all these things came from but yeah, it's definitely all those nana jumpers and floral things. And so it's really great because, you know, when sometimes styles filter through and it's like floral comes up every now and again. And so anything with rosemary, yeah, I'll be like, oh, that, I'll because I'll wear that forever at the farm. Yeah. Whereas, you know, sometimes with, with stuff um, here, I'm like, well, denim, you know, I just, I think I'm really just going to just buy new white shirts and just wear jeans for the rest of my life and then I swap to shorts the uniform (laughs) yeah it really it really is and I'm really not that into clothes or shoes or anything like that um and I think just with my lifestyle too I don't need to but 
I, yeah, I do. I just love that color thing. And, you know, buying cushions for um, staging, I've just gone to the shop and just bought all of their blue cushions. And then, you know, I, I've been going back every two days while as they restock. And do like, you have oh, more? Yeah. yeah, you again. I'm like, yeah, thank you. Taking all those blues. Yeah. And every time I've tried to go out of that, it just doesn't work. But, and then I've got a couple of things for if I go to the big city to go see a <laughs> friend, I've got, you know, like a black sequin thing that, you know, I'll pull out. But, and I think that's why doing the archetype thing was really interesting for me because each character had its own very particular color palette that wasn't me. But because I was really feeling like I was embodying that character, I did really feel the energy of those colors. Um, and when I was in it, I was like, I really just felt who that person was. And I was talking to that person and then I would take it off and I'd feel a bit sad for it. I'd be like, oh, I'm leaving you behind connector. Oh my God. But then I'd put the next one on and I'd be like, who was hey, that? Girl. <laughs> I don't even remember who that was. And I'd be like, oh, now I'm the maverick. I can't feel this. And I'd never had that experience with clothing before because I would always be very, just quite transactional, I think, with clothing. And so dressing up was, and like going to a charity store, because I, I thrifted a lot of those outfits, I'd be like, that's the maverick. Like mm -hmm. I could just see it in there. Mm -hmm. and, I, and the hardest one was my archetype because I was mm -hmm. like, I couldn't see it because it was me. And I was like, do I just wear my own clothes? <laughs> feel right whereas it really was so easy to see it for the other ones and it was just so freaking satisfying and even as we're packing up the house I'm like that's my SMA box because I've got my <laughs> Kebez jumper that's just for the connector <laughs> I've got my sequins that are just for the celebrity I wouldn't wear those normally um and that yeah it felt really cool to do that so I'm pumped you're doing all the color stuff because I just yeah, it felt really great. And same with the set, you know, I color I had very strict color palette for every archetype. And props as well, right? I mean, it's it's a whole, it's a whole vibe. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I think too, those little things make make a real difference. So for example, in the connector set, you know, I had a peace lily as the flower. And not many people would notice that. Mm. You know, and like the I had an album that was like on the bottom shelf. But the, the album was about kindness. The kimono that I was wearing, the fabric was called kindness. Mm. And like I knew all of that and I could feel the energy of everything. Yeah, it just helps you embody that whole energy, yep. personality, energy. archetype. That's yep. so and cool. I, like, I love that you went to that level of detail. Like how yeah, fun was that? I, I was going to do underwear as well, but I ran out of time, except I did um, like wore a special bra for connector, like one of those ridiculous ones. that's just basically ribbon. That's just like uh -huh. ribbon, ribbon. And like it's time, I was like, I would never wear this. <laughs> but I bought it for Valentine's Day. And I remember opening it just going, what the fuck is this? Um, but I was like, oh, that's going to be my celebrity Sorry, bra. Mark. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's my celebrity bra. And you, oh, I have to just tell this one story. I'm sorry, we could talk forever, but oh, don't apologize. At Christmas, I opened up a box and it was a Louis Vuitton box. And I was like, oh, oh I love this. This is so yeah, good. I was like, thanks. I was like, my husband really doesn't cool. know me at all. <laughs> yeah, but Mark, Mark loves being that celebrity gift giver. Like he, and I always just go, fine, thank you. Like, you know, I'll use it once. And I was like, cool. And then I opened the box. And instead of anything from Louis Vuitton, it was um, a pair of sketches, which just so he could fill the box. 
but like um, two shares in Louis Vuitton Moet Hennessy, which is the parent company that owns Louis Vuitton. And I was like, yes, what I want. And it was just two printouts, right? And this is his level of detail, right? He bought one and then he was like, oh, but it's a pair. She's going to have to buy two. And they're like $1,200 a share. And I went, I never would have cared if it was one or two. But I was like, that's my love language, freedom, right? I was like, oh, that's so much better than just a pair of shoes that I'll, you know, I've got one Louis Vuitton bag and I wear it, you know, twice a year when I go to the big city, but I, I don't embarrass my celebrity friend. (laughs) because <laughs> she was like Denise you need a bag and I'm like, just like what? what's the big deal um and so it, yeah it's that stuff that's really exciting to me I was on um Rodeo Drive with my celebrity friend in my world I would call them a starshine and um like it was so fascinating to me because I'm not shoes or bags either my love language is like food and really nice travel and uh but it was so fascinating to go with someone who is so in it and into it so we went to well we went all over we went to uh, Valentino and we were at Gucci and she bought a handbag at Gucci but she knew like the release date of this particular bag and she knew exactly what the bag was and the entire history of this bag and like she got the first one released in America because it wasn't supposed to be sold until the next day and like it is like these bags are in her will to go to her knee you know it's just like I love being a part of people's like cultures and vibes and I love cycling that my husband's really into and when people are super into coffee and gardening and like I love being part of that moment with her where she was just like I get so much joy out of this and it's so she like spent her luxury good budget for the year on Rodeo Drive you know it's just like this isn't me at all but I love watching you do it this is so cool for you I think I agree and also it's really fun to see the brand part of that, right? Because when we yes. went to store, they made us wait outside on a fucking red yep. carpet with a line. And I was like rolling my eyes going, we all yeah. know why you're doing this. You're doing yeah. this to create this, you know, exclusivity. And and I'm like sitting there going, this is such bullshit. Just let me in the fucking store. I know exactly what I'm going to buy. <laughs> that one there. I don't even care. But, but also I was a bit too cool because I just kind of, I didn't even look like I just went, yeah, okay, you're right. I need to buy one decent bag in my life. And <laughs> I didn't even like go, do I like this one or this one? I just, I just went, okay, I'll buy that one that you suggest. Cause it was just like a black crossbody one. And now I'm like, actually, so why one? Louis Vuitton? Like, how did you choose that as your one bag? It's where my friend took me. And also it was like black on black. It wasn't like the gold, you know, mm. the gold. It was just like plain black quilted one. And we'd gone to the theater and she'd lent me hers. And I went, oh, that's kind of cool. She goes, oh, she nice. Yeah, she's like, you need one bag. And it's cross-body, so it's hands-free because I can't be bothered holding a fucking bag. Um, I can't be bothered. And that's what I really like about the celebrity archetypes. They really take care of their things mm-hmm. and they display them. Yep. You know, they serve double duty for them. And so I was, I really got it. I was like, oh, they, and they were so nice. Like this, the the people in the store were so lovely, mm. you know, they were like champagne, water. And I was like, I thought this was going to be wanky. And I really get it now. And my friend made me try on some shoes and I was like, dude, 
do you know I live in Newcastle? And she's like, hard pass. <laughs> yeah, but she was like, you would have these ever. They're so amazing. And so I actually ended up buying a pair of them from a consignment store for filming because I thought I have to, I didn't even know these shoes were a thing, but I was like, I have to get these gold tributes. The details, right. For yeah. the celebrity thing. And like, you know, I had to get bags and shoes to have in the backdrop because they they display their treasures, right? And so I really got a new appreciation of it. And we had more celebrities join my program than ever before. They normally don't. They're yeah. just like, nice, do you? I don't have celebrities either because it's just not my vibe. It's like, go no, follow then, someone who's like doing their marketing in an infinity pool. <laughs> not exactly. Me. You know, and it, it's one of those things of excellence for them, right? If, so, if there's a spelling mistake, I can't see stuff. But for celebrities, they would be looking at you and I and going, just put some lipstick on, honey. <laughs> a little bit of lipstick. And they can't hear what we're saying because yeah. that is important to them. And so I needed to get those details right for the filming. And so I needed to have a few of those things. Yeah, you can't know. fake it for the celebrity, for the star shine. They know. They know. <laughs> I did say to my um, video guy, though, I was like, don't go too close on any of the detail because they'll go, oh, that's. That's, that's from you know, 1999. <laughs> exactly. I was like, just, just, and, but also everything was very shiny because they like to see mm -hmm. themselves. So everything had mirrors and lights and like stage lights and all of those little things were very subtle, but I, I wouldn't have appreciated that unless I'd gone on this experience with my friend to this store and gone, oh it's not just wanky like it really is yeah it's it's really beautiful appreciation of beautiful things I really got it at a deeper level all right last question really last question yeah. happiness right we're all in this big old circle trying to figure out what happy looks like what is sort of the biggest life lesson for you for you personally, obviously everyone's happiness is different. Everyone's journey is different, but what is the one thing that you're telling yourself or doing or reminding yourself of, or wanting for your children as you think about what a happy, happy Denise, happy life looks like? What's the well, big priority? Charles Schultz, who was the peanut illustrator, he said, happiness is a warm puppy. That's it. Happiness Not is a warm puppy. Because that's the thing, right? Happiness is one of those things when people say, I want to be happy. You go, well, what's going to make you happy now? Like, it's not a goal. Like, it might a, not be the beach house anymore. <laughs> it's not. Like, you can be happy in the moment. And it's just a real, I think it's a question you have to ask yourself, what would make me happy now? Because it's going to change over your life. It's going to change over your business journey. Um, and you know, for me at the moment, yeah, happiness is a warm puppy. Happiness is freedom for sure. Happiness is choice, contribution, and that's that's enough, I think. Love it. Thanks for spending time with me here today. Thank really you. nice having you. You get to be my first guest on the new podcast, which is really fun. I think what? you were the first guest on the last one, actually, because I didn't do many guests on that show. So that feels right. That feels full circle. Yes, it does. And what an honor. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate oh, it. Anytime. See you later.